episode of Positive Regression, a motorsports analytics podcast. I'm Alan Cavana, joined as always by David Smith. David, last week, as you say, we sent out the bat signal for listener questions, and we got more than we bargained for, which is a great thing. Hopefully that means, uh, you know, the, our talks and everything are just expanding out into the racing universe because we got a ton of good listener questions. So much so that we're putting more out on the bonus uh, edition here of Positive Regression. So thanks everybody for submitting the questions and of course for listening. David, it's a cool feeling. We got a lot of good, uh, intelligent questions. I'm looking forward to your answers too. <laughs> I am so, so grateful that our fans are level-headed and smart, and none of these questions were ridiculous. There were so many to choose from. That's why we had to expand into a second episode. They're, uh, they're deserving of, uh, of getting answers, so uh, let's, let's get them what they're here for. All right, let's bang them out. First up, from Scuddy Stud on Discord, whatever that means, uh, do we have enough data yet to see what median lap time and best lap time rankings may be telling us that previously used central speed rankings did not. David, this is a good question only because it tells us that Scuddy Stud is a longtime follower of yours and possibly this podcast as well because you did. You made a, a switch from what you used to call central speed, right, to me- best lap time and median lap time to judge cu- the fastest cars or, or to judge the speed of the cup field. So uh, what what has been the difference? Have you been able to extrapolate anything different? Yeah, I don't even think we need data to understand what is different or what was going to be different. I was just searching for flexibility. Uh, central speed was useful to me. It was useful to a lot of folks, but it was limited in its scope. It measured one thing, which was speed per quarter averages. And I wanted something more flexible. Uh, median lap time does that. And I can take it. I can look at stage splits. I can look at run splits, whatever I desire. Uh, and with best lap time, it points to something that engineers in NASCAR are using to measure what they have. Uh, they'll refer to it as speed potential. And there are different methods uh, for understanding what, if you're a team member, uh, what your car offers compared to every other car. Uh, so I, I understand the importance in doing that. Best lap rank is a kind of method that I believe can be easily interpreted in, in seeking that kind of answer. Um, and that is something else that I have to keep in mind. Bouncing around between motorsports analytics and positive regression, uh, and NBC and Forbes, the vocabulary needs to be grounded. Uh, I want my message to resonate. And if a metric, if anything that I, uh, I write is not easily understood, then I have failed. The message gets lost and I do not want that to happen. So these two new speed measures help, uh, I think, suit that purpose very well. All right. Good stuff. And it gives you a different perspective and a way to look at uh, the, the speed charts. And I've learned a lot myself. So good questions. I love that. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs like me 
the resources that were once reserved for big business. And it's customized to your needs. You get a great looking online store that really helps bring your ideas to life and tools to manage the day-to-day and drive sales. And I'm speaking about this from experience. I'm really passionate about bass fishing. And a little over five years ago, I started an e-commerce bass fishing brand with my best friend, Aaron, called Woo Tungsten. Actually, it's pronounced Woo Tungsten, W-O-O exclamation mark, because that's the sound you make when you catch a giant bass. And it was a no-brainer to do this on Shopify because they've made it so easy every step of the way, from creating product listings to making discount codes to managing shipments. In fact, if you want to see what an e-commerce store looks like on Shopify, go to wootungsten.com and you can see. And it's no wonder that every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. You can get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience. And you can gain knowledge and confidence with extensive resources to help you succeed. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash blue wire, all lowercase for a free 14 day trial, and you'll get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today, just like me, just like Woo Tungsten by going to shopify.com slash blue wire right now. That's shopify.com slash blue wire. All right, next up from D. Hoffman Mana. Um, am I saying that? No, D. Hoffman A. I, I apologize. From D. Hoffman A on Twitter. Could you discuss NASCAR's experiment with the pit stops at the Xfinity and Truck Series levels and its impact on the sport? David, this is a, an interesting question because I, I believe they're referring to the, the non-competitive pit stops, I believe is the term where I think we originally saw them at Eldora, right, in, in the truck series. And then last year we saw them a few times and I was down there on pit road where they would, they literally stop the race and you get about three minutes or so to make all the adjustments that you want and you don't lose any positions and it's not your standard pit crews out there uh, making the changes because you can take so much time and uh, you line up the same way you came back in as long as you, you know, take your four tires or what have you. And uh, it, it was different, right? It was a different approach than what we've seen with, with competitive pit stops at the highest levels of the sport. Uh, so could you discuss NASCAR's experiment with the pit stops? Um, I don't exactly know what they want. I mean, obviously they tried it for a reason. There would be cost savings to it. There would be, uh, I guess, safety aspect to it. There would be, be a safer aspect of the sport. But David, David, how do you interpret this question, the experiment, if you will, that we saw with pit stops last year? The experiment? So I, I, I think it's just an extension of what has been used at NASCAR's grassroots level because uh, ARCA does this, uh, ARCA East and ARCA West does this. Um, th- those teams can't afford to bring pit crews and compete like this, like what you see on Sunday. Um, so this is the best practice. And if you are attempting to contain costs, I mean, the, 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 the gap between the haves and the have-nots, especially in the truck series, the Xfinity series, 
back when there was practice, you could easily gauge it. Like the front half of the garage practices were methodical, business-like, and you could tell a lot of money was spent. The back side of the garage, teams did not want to spend money. They, they were being deliberate in that. And we, we kind of lose the plot on some of those things. And, and, and one of the things the smaller teams really can't afford to spend money on are these cup series level pit crews. I mean, JGR in the Xfinity series shows up with a cup pit crew for every one of its team. And that's their right. But also there's no way that teams running 15th on back can afford to do that. So in addition to cutting costs, I think this helps even the playing field. And I know it, it seems a bit extreme, but I for one am not entranced by pit crews and pit stops. They aren't the reason I would buy tickets. Uh, frankly, I think they kind of lift right out, uh, especially in some series. I go to short track races a lot. Uh, USAC late models, um, some, some Arca East, there aren't pit stops there. Uh, and I do not miss them. I don't hear, uh, when I'm leaving, I don't hear people complaining about their absence. Uh, they just appreciated the good show that they saw. Uh, so ultimately for independent Xfinity and truck teams already operating on the shoestring budgets, they're, they're cutting corners to save costs, really. This is key in keeping the series competitive, which I think is kind of the whole point. You want the competition to be on the racing surface. Um, they're being outspent, um, and it's on something that one could argue isn't part of the traditional racing product. I know that that's polarizing, but ultimately I, I think it's at least worth an experiment just to see what happens. I don't mind it as much seeing it as I did on in the truck series or even the Xfinity series because of the cost containment aspect. Remember, they were going to do it a few times last year, but because of the pandemic kind of uh, screwing everything up, right? I mean, the intent was for these standalone races, right, to really um, – because that's when it got super thin in terms of, of talent and uh, the haves and the have-nots were, were shown even more. Uh, so we were supposed to see a lot more last year, but we didn't because of the pandemic. Um I hope I, I like pit stops at the Cup Series level. I hope that does not change. We already know it's changing with the the lug nuts next year with the the next gen car. But I, you know, just the the dance of it all. Uh, it's something that's been there for decades. I hope that doesn't change. But if it had to at the Xfinity and uh, Truck Series levels because of cost and to make it uh, somewhat more, I don't know if parody is the word, but somewhat a little more equal, at least on pit road, especially when it comes to the have and have-nots, I am not bothered by that. You know, as just kind of an aside, and, and this might reveal some really poor reading comprehension on my part, but when stages were initially announced, for whatever reason, there, there was nothing that said this, but for whatever reason, it implanted into my mind that these were going to be intermissions, uh, like halftime breaks. Mm-hmm. And we were going to take a long time. We were going to knock out commercials to, to keep the telecast on the racing action and pit stops were going to be neutralized. For whatever reason, I was living in that world until I realized, Oh, it's a competition caution, basically <laughs> is what, is what this is. Um, I mean, I know that you said you don't want this touched at the Cup Series level, or or you like seeing that at the Cup Series level. But I think if you were going to touch it, I think that's how you do it. Maybe you don't get rid of them completely, but 
maybe maybe a break is down the road. I don't know. I mean, especially if if the future of NASCAR is watching from your couch at home, then you want to see as much action action as you possibly can, and the action that you want to see is the the things that are happening on the racing surface. So I don't know. Maybe maybe not the most popular thing I've ever said, but that's just, you know, kind of my line of thinking. All right. Thank you, D. Hoffman A. on Twitter. Next up, Pro BS Detector on Twitter, also known as Bill, um, which could be BS, I'm not sure. Uh, the question is, is there a correlation between Tony Stewart creating a new racing series and the lack of success in his NASCAR teams are having? Uh, last year, the four was dominant. Was Stuart Haas getting away with something? But now NASCAR is clamping down. David, that's a two-part question. We will uh, dissect both parts. <laughs> First question, is there a correlation between Tony Stewart creating a new racing series and the lack of success his NASCAR teams are having? Uh, I would say zero to none correlation there. What would you say, David? <laughs> as much as I would like for this to be true, because it would be so much pettiness, uh, I think Rodney Childers' lack of a poker face tells us otherwise. Flummoxed is not the right word, uh, because he, he knows where he is disadvantaged, but he typically is vocal about whenever he is in the weeds. Uh, he did that, if you remember, two years ago after the Richmond playoff race, it was kind of a, a showing of dominance by Joe Gibbs Racing. It was kind of a, an advantage in mechanical grip that they had, and Childers sort of voiced his confusion or dismay of it all. And he did it again earlier this year, uh, going on Sirius XM, talking about the change to the rear wheel template. Uh, and for this, clearly that meant more to Stuart Haas than it did for Joe Gibbs Racing or Penske or Pendra. Cause it was the same, same clamping down for everyone. They were just hit the hardest. Yeah, David, I mean, look, so, you know, was Stuart Haas getting away with something last year? Yeah, clearly they were doing something. They had an advantage that NASCAR wasn't picking up or wasn't, uh, I don't want to say wasn't picking up. They weren't, you know, it, it was something that NASCAR wasn't checking for, right? And whether that be the smart minds at Stuart Haas Racing that, that planned around that, right? That, that, that was able to take advantage of a gray area that they found. I mean, that's just brains right there. That should be rewarded. And last year it was. NASCAR made a switch this year. They started checking things with different templates at, at the inspection station and being a little more, um, uh, let's say, stronger in how they apply this certain area of the car. And that is where Stuart Haas had its advantage. That advantage is no longer there. And it seems like you could see the results on the track. So were they getting away with something last year? Yes, in a way you can say that. They fixed that. Uh, they fixed the glitch, as you might say, if you're a fan of the uh, movie Office Space. They have fixed the glitch uh, NASCAR has and taken away any advantage that Stuart Haas was getting away with. In terms of that correlation, though, David, yeah, it's not. It's just not there. Come on, Tony Stewart was not. Uh, you know, he's a Hall of Fame driver, but he was not the be all and end all of Stuart Haas racing success on the racetrack last year. And, and any sort of distraction is not the reason for their lack of it this year. Yeah, conspiracy theories are sexy, Alan. <laughs> um, it, I, honestly, it's, n it's not a, a unreasonable question to ask because the timeline does kind of jive, but you no, know, I mean, this, the, the four team, the way it's been built, 
the car chief Cheddar Smith, uh, famously a friendly face. Uh, certainly that, that applies to the OSS station. You want friendly faces to, to push your car through and make sure everything's okay. I think this team has been as good at playing the political game better than any team in the garage over the last few years. Not that that's cheating, but you, you need to have at least a good interface with the officiating. It's just like a, a coach that yells at a referee in a stick and ball sport, they're more likely to get a technical or have calls go against them. It's just sort of human nature. Um, no, I think they are legitimately troubled by this change and they, they seem to have made inroads. Uh, th- this is a good organization. I don't think they're going to be down for too long, but yeah, it walloped them very early uh, in the year. And that was clear in the results, the speed, every metric across the board. All right, good stuff. Next up, from Coopin Crackers on Discord. I, I guess that's how you say it. I believe uh, his name. I believe his name is Coop. Coop. All right, Coopin Crackers. Uh, thanks, Coop, for the question. Uh, here's the question: With practice returning soon for Coda and Nashville Super Speedway, which racers stand the best chance to improve with the more time to dial it in? As a Bubba fan, really looking forward to practices so he and Wheels can get their lineup or their setup homed in. This is a good question, David, only because I'm wondering how you analyze this and how you answer it. Which drivers will benefit from practice? I mean, easy to say rookies, right? Or, you know, new team relationships like a 2311 racing without much of a notebook. But uh, how do you answer this question? I, I think you're spot on. I mean, I think Bubba is actually a really good call for this, though I don't expect the ceiling to be very high for improvement. And my analog for that is 2020 with Chris Busher and Luke Lambert at Roush Fenway Racing. That was their year one. Uh, driver, crew chief, and team. All a new combination for Busher last year. So same as Bubba this year with him, Mike Wheeler, and a, a team that didn't exist uh, at this time last year. The lack of FaceTime because of the uh, the quarantine for Busher, uh, and, and then the lack of practice time on top of that meant that Busher and Lambert were not acquainted as much. And neither of them were familiar with how Roush was operating with his cut program at the time. So it was an uphill climb all season long, and it took a lot of time. Now look at where that team is at. They are legitimately competing for a playoff spot. They had a good run last weekend at Darlington. They've had good runs on 550 tracks. And this isn't to say that two race weekends uh, with practice sessions will help improve Bubba, but it can't hurt. I mean, there was limited practice for the Daytona 500, if you remember. Lots of rain. So I bet Bubba has had one or two opportunities for feedback with Mike Wheeler before a race. And that's just understanding what has to take place in auto racing to get your car dialed in. That is nuts. And that's a huge disadvantage. Um, certainly not at all good for uh, the growth of a driver crew chief combination. So yeah, weekends like Nashville and Coda and Charlotte is going to have practice as well. Those will certainly be beneficial. I don't know that it will be the cure-all, but it can help turn things in a positive direction. And finally, to round out the episode, Dr. Marvello, great name, from Dr. Marvello on Discord. If Eric Almarola gets the axe at the end of the year, who might replace him at Stuart Haas Racing? David, interesting question, and I'll, I'll change it up or add a caveat. 
why would Eric Almarola get the axe? If it were ever to happen, why would he get the axe at Stuart Haas Racing? Would it be because of performance or would he have to lose his sponsorship dollars for it to happen? Uh, oh, yeah, you, you, you caught it there. I, I mean, the performance has not been good this year. Let's not sugarcoat that, but the sponsor, Smithfield, I, I, you know, from, from the day Eric Almarola walked into SHR, SHR has been trying to extract the Smithfield money. That isn't, I just don't think that that's going to happen. Both driver and sponsor contract wise are up after this season. And Alan, if Smithfield is back, I don't see how Almarola isn't. Uh, Stuart Haas sort of needs to take what it can get because the 41 car has no primary sponsor outside of Gene Haas himself. And having no Almarola, which likely means no Smithfield, leaves them with two teams that are not fully funded. And that is a rough position. I don't see it happening. Um, are there drivers on the market that I would rather have than Almarola? Yeah. Uh, Matt DiBenedetto, uh, have, putting up great numbers, uh, certainly the, across his last six or seven race stretch. But if Almarola is the linchpin keeping the operation going here, keeping good, smart people in jobs, then you're, I mean, SHR kind of has to grin and bear it through a period of poor performance, I suppose. Because keep in mind, Almarola, while an important spoke because he is the driver is just one spoke on the wheel. Uh, if his leaving or, um, uh, or, or being fired uh, or, or not resigned means that the team would also have to part with other potentially important people. You really have to think long and hard about that. And that's not an easy decision to make. All right. And look, we, I mean, we could have an hours long discussion on, on the state of, of racing, but as we know, if you were to all of a sudden need to sign a driver, you don't necessarily sign the best driver. You sign the driver that brings you some sponsorship as well, or at least that plays a major factor. It is not as easy as just getting the best available driver, right? The best available free agent. That is not how the modern day cup series works. Yeah, it has to be a driver that can attract revenue, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're either bringing a sponsor, you can get uh, potential sponsors interested. How do you get them interested? By winning a lot. That could be it, but it becomes a chicken and the egg scenario. Uh, how do you get a driver that can win a lot? You have to pay them. And then how do you pay them? With what money if you don't have it? <laughs> so it, it, it does kind of go in a circle in that regard. It very well may be that Eric Almarola is kind of with his forever team right now. I mean, I, I don't think he can continue crashing cars, but he's in a good spot. He's with a good team. Um, you know, prior to Dover, he was the only driver at SHR with a win this season, if you want to count the Daytona qualifying race. So there is some advantage to be had there. And if you think back about, Paul Menard, uh, for, you know, for, for what he wasn't able to do in terms of performance, you, you have to also balance that out with what he was able to do by keeping good people employed in the sport. Um, his impact on the sport was meaningful and it kept operations afloat. Um, Almarola, 
I, I mean, he's, he's won more races than Paul Menard. I think it's fair to say that his trajectories is better. So it isn't a completely lost cause, but that might be his biggest impact on NASCAR going forward is that uh, a team with Eric Almarola is a fully funded operation. And that is important to have a healthy race team on the racetrack. Free agency talk 2022. It's already begun. Can't wait. Another, another round of great questions, David, from our listeners. So thankful. And that's why we did this bonus episode. So keep them coming. Never be afraid to send us, uh, send us your questions or your observations because they, they spark interest of, with us as well and can, could end up a, a full subject here on positive regression. So good stuff. Never forget, we are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Luminary, TuneIn, and YouTube. We're available no matter your device. Our entire back catalog of episodes is available for free at posregpod.com. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a rating or review. This stuff helps spread the word. We notice it is, of course, appreciated. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Reach out on Twitter at posregpod. P-O-S-R-E-G-P-O-D. David, don't forget, this is a bonus episode. We will be back with our regularly scheduled episode on Thursday, heading into the weekend at CODA, and that's going to be awesome. So make sure you listen to that. Anything else you want to plug in the next two days? Uh, sure. Yeah. While you're at it, while you're listening, head to motorsportsanalytics.com uh, today if you weren't already planning on it. Uh, the weekly stat updates for patrons typically comes at the beginning of the week, so you'll want to check those out. And a new article that I posted over the weekend, uh, I call it six after six, six trends after each six race stretch in the Cup Series. Uh, this one focusing on the impact of that polarizing Kansas caution delay, the positional impact uh, for Tyler Reddick's wayward tire. Uh, also, Denny Hamlin's strength on the 750 tracks, Matt DiBenedetto's production punch. There's plenty there, something I think for everyone. Uh, so please head to Motorsports Analytics and uh, check all that out. Good stuff. Check out my social media channels at Alan Kavana on Twitter. Uh, you know, being a Tuesday, if you're listening on, on a Tuesday, the day this drops, I hope you are. Make sure you check out the recap I do for Speed Sport called Gas and Go. All the racing action over the weekend. I kind of recap it in about 90 seconds or so. It's a good little video. Check it out for me. Let me know how it looks. So thank you for listening to this uh, bonus episode. Don't forget, again, our regularly scheduled episode drops every Thursday morning. This has been the bonus episode of Positive Aggression for David Smith. I'm Alan Kavana. Thanks again. Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.